called Never Again. It's a kind of an educational documentary on uh, the Holocaust and the anti-Semitism. It features two people, Irving Ross and Kasim Hafez. Irving Ross, if I remember correctly, grew up in Poland. He talked about his childhood, and he used to play with this little girl every day. And then one day, the girl says, I I can't play with you anymore. You're evil. You are a Jew. He says, I'm the same person I was when I went to sleep last night. But I woke up today and the world changed around me. He and his brother both ended up in a concentration camp. He lost his brother there. They went through a death march. He survived the first one. And he was getting ready to go through a second death march. By now he's 15 years old. He weighs 75 pounds. He knows he won't survive this death march. The Allied forces arrived in time. He didn't have to go on that death march. And so he lives today to tell the story. And he holds no animosity, which frankly, that's challenging, I think, to bend through what he's been through and not have unforgiveness. Kasim, he grew up in the United Kingdom, a Muslim. He says, from a very young age, we're taught to hate. And he was looking for a way to fulfill his radical ambition. Well, while he's looking for that, he comes across a book. And reading that, it challenged everything he'd been taught. So he decides, I'm going to go to Israel and find out for myself. So he lands in Israel, and at the check-in, they ask him why he's there. Well, a little naive and bluntly honest, he says, well, I'm really kind of anti-Semite, and I'm not crazy about Jews. So that led to an eight-hour interrogation for him, at which time they decided that, you know, if you can be this honest about not really liking us, if you were here to do harm, you wouldn't have come under, you'd have come undercover. You wouldn't have been open about this. They let him go, and he toured Israel. And he says, what I've been taught is wrong. These people are no different than I am. He goes back to the United Kingdom and tries to tell people, the Jews are no different than we are. His family disowned him. His friends didn't have anything to do with him. And he started receiving death threats. He ended up moving to Canada. And later, when he was traveling with Christians United for Israel, he met Irving. And they had exchange of views of what happened. 
And they became such good friends that Kasim had tattooed on his arm the same number that Irving got in the concentration camp. His goal in life now is to convince people that there's no place for the rise in anti-Semitism that's taking place in the world. You know, if we want to catch an animal or something, we usually have a trap and bait. Satan's no different. He sets traps for us, and he baits them. One he loves to use is the trap and the bait of offense, which will lead to hatred, anger, outrage, bitterness, envy, strife, jealousy, resentment. So the names Kansas City Chiefs, Washington Redskins, Uncle Ben's Rice, Aunt Jemima Serp, Quaker Oats, all staples. But our society today tells us those names are wrong. They're racist. They're derogatory. Seriously? The Washington Redskins are going to pick the name they think is the bottom of the barrel to elevate their team to high standing? I submit they chose that because Redskins were mighty warriors. Not because they were dogs. Not because it was derogatory. They did it out of respect. And you tell me, because Aunt Jemima's on a bottle of syrup and she's black, she's racist now? So I need to throw that syrup away and go get best choice because it doesn't say anything? We can always find a fence if we look for it. The question is, why are we looking for it? Pride. It clouds our perspective. It gets things distorted. It causes us to view ourselves as a victim and making us believe that we've become entitled. And in doing so, we create division, broken relationship, betrayal, backsliding, and unforgiveness. Ah, unforgiveness. That, the root cause of shame, fear, rejection, condemnation. It must be eliminated. If we hold unforgiveness, God can't forgive us. Jesus taught us that in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I was at a leadership conference in Dallas this last week. And during lunch break, I'm sitting there table in front of me is a couple of gentlemen from a Christian college, and he's playing a video of a Muslim lady, youth, talking about how upset she is. And we got into a discussion that they had let an individual speak in chapel on racism. Not that it's systemic like we're being told in our media today that everybody is a racist. But she took offense at what he had to say. 
But sometimes we just kind of need to get over it. Like I say, we can always find a reason to be offended. Shame on us for looking for it. The enemy has a way of infiltrating and influencing people to propagate and promote their evil agenda. To take away our, what we consider fundamental rights, to bear arms, free speech, the right to worship. They've even caused people to question the Constitution and our history. Right now, the church is under persecution under the guise of this pandemic and the reason to shut you down. In New York, when more than 10 Jews gathered together for worship, they were cited. But if you want a mass protest on the street, that's fine. Black Lives Matter. Yes, I will say black lives do matter. So do red, brown, white, blue, and the unborn. To God, all lives matter. But the Black Lives Matter movement has been hijacked. Become one of anarchy and destruction. This last week, a black Houston police officer lost his life. He was due to retire this year. And if you look at the calendar, he was almost there. He got called to a domestic. And the man with the gun, he was there because the prosecutor refused to prosecute him when he was arrested. They told him, the police officers, to release him and give him back the bullets to his gun. The black police chief in Seattle had the audacity to talk about the chaos when she was ordered to shut down her precinct and let it be overrun. So they cut her pay where she could no longer survive and forced her out. A black businessman in New York had a sign-up, black-owned business. That didn't stop the movement from burning three of his U-Haul trucks. There have been more black on black deaths in Chicago than there have been deaths by police officers. But that doesn't fit the media agenda. Those lives seem to be expendable. We're going through the cancel culture in this country. Destroy everything in your path. Tear down the statues. It doesn't matter that that statue was somebody who fought for your rights to be freed as a slave. Uh, it's just time for it to go. Destroying our history will doom us to repeat it. We may not be where we want to be as a country, but we're not where we were yesterday. 
But if we continue on this path, we'll be where we were a long time back. We will regress. But we need to remember Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The spiritual forces aren't all in the heavenly realms. Part of them are down here on earth. It's not a time for us to be timid or lukewarm in our faith. We need to stand bold and unashamedly announce our faith. We need to pray for our leaders, our president, our current president, and whoever gets elected on November 3rd, whether we vote for them or not. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for our senators, congressmen, governors, mayors, councilmen, judges, judicial system, and everyone in authority that they will look first and seek God for his wisdom and his guidance. We must command every evil spirit to leave the leaders of our country, whether they were believers or not. And may God confuse the enemy that they will fight amongst themselves and destroy themselves. We need to become a voice for the children. We need to say no to wickedness, no to sex trafficking, and no to abortion. Matthew 5:44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'd like to read now from Romans chapter 12. Anybody wants to join me there? Romans chapter 12. Start at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above our yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome 
evil with good. A small African tribe was rocked with a scandal. Jacoby's wife was pregnant, and the whole village knew it wasn't his. The tribe is seeking justice. Family members are taking sides. And while they're doing this, Jacoby's in his hut reading a book. Bible had been translated into his language, searching for the answer of what to do. And then there came a knock at the hut, and in walks a friend of his who he'd been studying the Bible with. And he says, I, I know the answer's got to be in this book. I want to do what God says, but I don't know where to look for it. And his friend goes, Ah. They open up the book Hosea. And he reads it. And then they move on to Jesus and his unforgiveness. Alas, he knows what he needs to do. He goes out the hut and he addresses the people gathered there. I will not take part in the tribal customs. I'll do what God says to do. I will not divorce my wife. I will not beat my wife. I will not send her, banish her from this community. She will have the baby here, and I will raise this child as my own. The story causes me to stop and ponder. I have a great wife that God has given me. Could I do that? Hey, that's the easy question. Yes, I could. The challenging question is, would I do that? Forgiveness is key for all of us. I'd like to sing a song of invitation now and if anybody would like to get to know Jesus as your personal Savior now would be a good time we don't want to be conformed to this world we don't want to put our hope in government as we watch the rioting and looting the corruption, the murder we want to be transformed by the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we're there even though we go through trials. We're able to find peace, tranquility, joy, love, and most importantly, hope.